Uh, just before we uh, turn to God's Word this morning, just uh, Tom, where's Tom? Tom's got a very exciting announcement to make, or two very exciting announcements to make. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom, because you're fairly new to the community here. So, Hello, everybody. This is nice. Um, what do I tell about myself? I'm, I'm an artist. I've just uh, graduated, graduated from Victorian College of the Arts, which is good which I'm really happy about. Um, And a couple of announcements. First announcement is um, I have an exhibition on Tuesday just down the road, so anyone who's not going to all the other array of things that are happening, like the choir, and uh, I I think there's other things that might be going on. But, um, yeah, you're welcome to come along. It's just at Jackson Gallery, which is a new gallery just set up on Rathdown Street. Um, so if you pretty much turn right, make your first left at Rathdown Street, you'll be right out the front. Um, and the other announcement is a, a big kind of praise point that I've been awarded a travel grant, um, a $10,000 travel grant to go go to the Y Valley, uh, to which borders England and Wales, to study romanticism for a little while. Um, and yeah, which which seems like a very romantic occasion. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I've got a big thanks for Nicola for helping me write the application. She is a genius at application, so keep that keep that in mind. <laughs> um, I I probably just got you a buttload of work there, but <laughs> yeah. So that's about it. Fantastic, Tom. That's wonderful. That's great. It's nice to have somebody else writing grants around here other than myself. <laughs> That's one folk. We'll keep that in mind. All right. Well, this morning is uh, the last message in our series on, on the life of Abraham. For who said that? Was was that uh, was that Rod? Was it? <laughs> this morning, I, I I hope that you will actually witness a miracle because there are actually three of us um, actually going to share the microphone this morning. Myself. Shane and Rod, and we've each been allocated 10 minutes. <laughs> Louise has got her watch. By the way, I'm doing the intro, so I've got some, some grace. I've got some grace there. Um, but we've been, week by week over the last five months, believe it or not, we've actually been unpacking um, the, the story of this really fascinating character by the name of Abraham. And uh, when we began, I'm sure some of you thought, How can it be possible that a man who lived 4,000 years ago, Abraham was um, a a nomadic Bedouin, lived 4,000 years ago in um, sort of uh, of, uh, the Middle East there. How, How is it possible that his life could have any relevance to us living in contemporary, hip, cool Melbourne, you know, in the 21st century. How how can that possibly be? And I think as we've gone through the series, it's been just such... I've so so enjoyed um, doing this series and and kind of investigating and studying God's Word. But it's just shown me how incredibly um, dynamic this book is that it actually is able to transcend time and place and transcend culture and continues to speak to us today. And um, I think 
The story of Abraham is uh, incredibly uh, significant, and the, and, the, and the story of not just Abraham, but we've also looked at um, his nephew Lot uh, just over the last couple of weeks, and also his wife Sarah as well. So it's, uh, you know, Abraham and his contemporaries. What we've discovered as we've gone on this, this journey over the last five months is that the first thing is that Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3, and you might want to turn there, we're not going to read it, but for the sake of something to do. Um, the promise of God that is, that is given to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, um, is the pivotal passage in the entire Bible. It, it's, it's, it's what holds the whole Bible together. Everything that follows on from Genesis chapter 12, so the formation and the development of the nation of Israel, which we find in the narrative of the Old Testament and through into the narrative of the the New Testament, which is uh, regarding the birth, the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the establishment of the church. They all flow from from this event here, this, this breaking in of God into the life of this character who just sort of appears out of out of nowhere. And that profound promise becomes the hinge, the the the, the pivotal point of, of the rest of the scripture. And secondly, and specifically for us, Abraham's life is significant because in Romans chapter four, verse eleven. We are told that Abraham is the father of all them that believe. That Abraham is the father of all of them that believe. And so, as Christians, what we're encouraged to do is to look to Abraham to help us make sense of our relationship with God and the journey of faith that we are on. So if you like, Abraham becomes something of a prototype or a a matrix through which we can help us come to grips with what it means to be a, a person of faith, to be in connection with uh, the living God. And what I hope that we've learned over the last um, number of months is that, is that Abraham is actually a lot like us. There's not a lot of dissimilarity, despite the, the distance in time and the distance in culture and the distance in geography. Actually, what we do is we, as we've unpacked the life of Abraham, what we've discovered is he's incredibly just like us. And um, he's like us because he's a mixture of both strength and weakness. And as you track his life, you see these incredible highlights where he's on these kind of has these peak experiences with, with, with God. And, and in the next chapter, you discover he's making a mess of his life. And it seems to be this kind of contradic- contradiction. And, and that's, if I was to be honest, that's what my life is like most of the time. Strength and weakness, highs and lows, successes and failures. And, and that gives me incredible hope and enc- incredible encouragement that God points to this man, Abraham, and says, look, he's the father of all who believe. And so then in the midst of my weaknesses, in the, weeks, in the midst of my failures, and in the midst of, uh, of, uh, of my lowlights, Abraham becomes something of a bit of a, an inspiration or a bit of a beacon that inspires me to keep tracking, to keep going to keep this 
journey of faith, uh, faith going. And so, one moment, Abraham is held up to us as this profound example of faith. And then the next moment, we see him struggling with doubt and unbelief. And we, early on in the series, we looked at the, the role of doubt in the life of faith and how important that it is that we so often in our contemporary Christian culture, it seems as if it's, we're, we're forbidden to doubt. And yet what Abraham does is Abraham gives us permission to struggle, permission to doubt, permission to question. Again, we see at different times of Abraham's life, he displays incredible, um, um, a incredible degree of in- integrity and of character. And yet at other moments of his life, um, you see him, it, it seems like he never comes to, to, to be able to deal with the root of fear that seems to be so intrinsic within his personality. And, and that root of fear causes him to do some really silly things, like he, uh, on two major occasions, he lies in order to, order to protect himself, and he's willing to actually um, disown his own wife to protect his own skin. And that's pretty, that's, that's kind of not very commendable. So you have this man of character, and then at the same time, sorry, you've been tempted to do that. That's an understatement. <laughs> kind of this, kind of, there's such a variety of stuff going on. And then we see Abraham, the worshiper, and we discussed uh, about how Abraham, throughout his life, you, begin, you see that he established altars in his life, places where he would just pause and reflect and worship God. And you also see this man having some amazing, profound, supernatural experiences. And if we just look at that, we'd go, oh, wow, that's what our life should be like. Yet, what we also discover as you look at the life of Abraham in its fullness and in its context is these incredible visions and dreams and these encounters with these voices breaking in and these angelic visitations. There are also these incredibly long periods where he experiences the silence of God, where God just doesn't seem to be involved or engaged in his life in any shape or form. And again, that's really encouraging to me that um, not every day of my life am I going to be having dreams and visions and supernatural experiences. In fact, most of life is relatively mundane and ordinary. And then if you kind of pick his, his, his great success, probably from his perspective anyway, it would be with the birth of his son Isaac the son of promise, that which he has held steadfastly and faith, believed God for, is brought into this world. And that would be probably his, kind of from his perspective, his crowning success. But that also has to be tempered by the fact that he also gave birth to a son by the name of Ishmael, which in hindsight probably wasn't the best idea. In fact, as we've been watching our TVs, watching the news and, you know, seeing what's taking place in the Middle East, you know, of recent days, all of the problems that are taking place within Israel and Palestine in that conflict is a result of Abraham's misinterpretation of God's promise. 
And so these, this kind of mixed up, messed up kind of thing. And that, as I said, that encourages me because that's kind of my life. And I suspect if most of us were honest, we can resonate with Abraham. As we look on our own life, on our past, on our struggles and on our successes, we're, we're this interesting mix. And yet in the midst of these highs and lows, strengths, strengths and weaknesses, successes and failures, the incredible thing is that God continues to refer to Abraham as his friend. And I cannot think of a, a higher or more greater compliment than to be called a friend of God. That in the midst of, of this interesting mix, that God looked at the life of Abraham and defined Abraham as his friend. And we began this series by kind of highlighting this issue of, of, of God's friendship or Abraham's friendship with God. And I said there were three things that were intrinsic to Abraham's life that, that defined him as a friend of God. And as he is our father, I think these are the three things that we are called to emulate, that we are called to duplicate within our own journey of faith. Firstly, and probably most importantly, is that Abraham had the audacity to believe that it was grace, it was God's grace and not his own goodness that made him right with God. That was the profound understanding that, that gripped the heart and mind of Abraham was that his right standing or his relationship with God was not based on his own performance, but it was based on the goodness and on, on the kindness, on the initiative of God. And he had the audacity to hold on to that in the midst of his failures. And his, he didn't allow his failures to disqualify him because he knew it was never his good works in the first place that qualified him. Secondly, when the call of God came to him, it interrupted and it disturbed his life. He was actually a very successful businessman in um, Ur, of the, uh, Ur of Chaldea, which is kind of modern-day Iraq. He was wealthy. Uh, he was successful. He had a great reputation. But when the call of God came and interrupted his life, he actually responded to that. And he was prepared to turn his back on that which he was familiar with, that which had, had in the past defined him to respond to the call of God. And the third thing is that in terms of him being a friend of God, he learned to live with the tension of the promise of God on one hand and the reality of his circumstances on the other. And he somehow was able to navigate through this thing that God gave him a promise, but he, it, he didn't see the fulfillment of that till right towards the end of his life. And he lived in that place of tension. And I think what helps us cultivate and develop that friendship with God is those three things. We learn to live by, by grace. 
that our, our, our security is not based on our performance, but upon God's affirmation of us and acceptance of us. Secondly, that when God does interrupt our lives and call us to do things that seem a little bit out of the box, that we say yes. And thirdly, we don't allow the frustration of not seeing the promise of God hold us back, but we live in that place of tension. But the thing, and finishing on this point, the thing that I ultimately see in the life of Abraham is the life of Abraham says far more about God than it does about Abraham. And if you reflect and think on your own life, that your own life actually says more about who God is than about who you are. Shane, do you want to come and um, do the next leg? You might have said all that needs to be said. That's excellent. Um, Rod's offered to buy my time at $10 a minute, so um, I'm going to be extremely brief and very rich. It's going to be my goal. He has got a, a much prettier voice than I. Uh, I am going to talk really briefly from um, a, a, just about um, our view of God and how it's shaped by this story. We, the story of Abraham is framed in Genesis, um, and particularly by the, the start of Genesis, where there's this epic creation story. And you see all of this chaos and all of this um, mess formed into a beautiful and loving creation by a great God of power and life and grandeur and all the rest. And you get the sense that whatever being can shape a universe um, is truly something marvelous and to be in awe of. And I think it's even difficult when we, you know, if, if you stop and even just stare out into space in those um, moments of tranquility and try and work out what's beyond the blue that you see and then try and think about what's one step beyond that and then try and work out what's even beyond that. And you think about the concept of infinity and, and, and eternity and all these um, concepts that our brain just can't quite wrap itself around. And you, you quickly you end up in this moment of mystery where it's difficult. It's difficult to box space and time. But if you think about the creator of that, it's even more difficult to try and comprehend exactly how mysterious and great a being could be that could um, shape and mold and create form out of those things. And so you get this, you get this sense of transcendence from the creation story, that, that God sits above all of this creation and so far beyond that he's almost unreachable and unattainable and, um, and, and somehow disconnected from what's going on in his creation. But then in the creation story as well, you get the sense of, um, of imminence, that, that, that God is so close that he, that he placed some part of himself smack in the middle of this, that he created a being that is an icon, a representative, that, that humanity somehow is linked with God. And then you go through the chaos and destruction of the, of the, the rest of the story as... Um, as man is dislocated 
from, from, from God and from creation and from um, each other. And there's a sense of despair and there's the sense of um, the grand story being, being broken or in need of repair. And then seemingly out of the blue in Genesis 12, there's, there's, this, there's this character. A whole ton of time passes by. There's um, a few major events like the flood and, um, and, 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 and murder and chaos and, and, and hatred and all kinds of things. And this character Abraham just pops up out of nowhere. But surprise, surprise, the story of God is interwoven into the story as well. I'm just going to read um, Genesis 12 really briefly. Then the Lord, the Lord told Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed, as the Lord has instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abraham, uh, um, Abraham was 20, 75 years old when he left Haran and took his wife Sarai. There's a lot unexplained in this text. It doesn't explain how Abraham heard God, why Abraham heard God. It doesn't explain why Abraham trusted God. I don't know about you, but uh, loud voices um, that don't seem to have an owner are usually an object of mystery or um, a good reason to question your sanity. But Abraham took that and went. And in this we can begin to at least approach the idea that we have gaps in our understanding of God. There is an element of mystery in our relationship with God that we will never lock down. We live in a Western world which is obsessed with science and measurement and logical deduction. Um, and all those things are, are useful tools, but they just don't explain all of life. They don't explain love, and they don't explain relationships. And this story here opens us up to the fact that there's a whole ton of things about God that we may never lock down. We discover and wrestle with Abraham, both intellectually and relationally in this story, as we try and come to grips of what God might be like, as we try to come to grips with what a relationship with a creator might be like. We wrestle alongside Abraham. We watch his highs and his lows. We watch um, how he relates to God, and we walk that journey with him. And so there's a few things to me that stand out in this, in this story, that God is both transcendent and imminent, that God is both above creation and incredibly close as well, that he sits above the, the human story creating, sustaining, and shaping it. He is the definer of reality, and all creation is peripheral to him. But at the same time, God is close. He throws himself into the human story, and even risking being at the mercy of his own creation. His desire for relationship and his commitment to community causes him to take risks. And in the story, we see the foreshadowing of, you know, Jesus describes the story of the prodigal son and the, and the father, who is a patriarch of the family, um, you know, waiting at the end of the driveway for the, the, the lost son to return home. And then he hitches up his cloak and runs down the driveway. And if you understand, um, um, you know, the, 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 the culture in the first century, <laughs> patriarchs don't run. They, they, they certainly don't show their legs, not because they were unshapely, but because that was unseemly. Um, and, 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 and they certainly don't place themselves at the mercy of someone who has slighted them. Yet in this picture of the, of the father running down the drive to embrace, embrace God, we see it reflected here in this story of Abraham, where, where God places himself at the mercy of an argument 
with Abraham at some point. There's a, there's a sense that our view of God um, um, has to be shaped by the fact that God doesn't just sit above creation, but immerses himself in the history of it, but also places himself relationally at our mercy. It's a genuine relationship. Uh, secondly, that our view of God is not concreted yet, that we see glimpses of paradox coming into the story. Is God like this or like this? Um, is he that kind of God or this kind of God? How does our view of God, how, how is it different than the views of God of the surrounding people? Um, there's a sense of flexibility. There's a sense of paradox that Abraham argues with God and challenges God to change. And you begin to wonder whether God himself is actually moving through Abraham to challenge a perception of God that is bent on pure justice and that God through Abraham actually challenges that concept by offering grace into the story. The third thing is God's commitment to relationship is relentless. Through all of the faithfulness and faithlessness of humanity represented in Abraham, God persists in his pursuit. He's not content with relationship at any cost. He doesn't capitulate to our desire to destroy, to oppress, to enslave, to become great. It's not relationship uh, without boundary. But God constantly throws himself into the story and calls us to himself. And in that, I think we see imminence and transcendence at its best. That God doesn't change just for us, and um, he's not at our whim. But he constantly places him, he stays himself, and stays in the throws himself into the middle of our story and calls us to become like him, right in amongst us. God agonizes and wrestles and throws himself into the story over and over, continuing the constant call to return to him and be redeemed. And I think that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. To Rod? To Rod, 20 bucks, I think you owe me. Two minutes. Your time starts now. And the 20 bucks for describing my voice as pretty. (laughs) Um, If you were here, I don't know how long ago it was, the last month has been a blur for me, but if you were here when I spoke last, I was talking about the binding of Isaac, and um, I use that really just to talk about how we deal with difficult or provocative passages, passages where God seems paranoid or brutal or vindictive. And we decided that uh, we should try as much as possible to look for context in the Bible, look for cultural context that would help us make sense of those passages Um, and I think we did that quite well introducing things like um, the the covenant tradition of the time and how that involved an exchange of firstborns and seeing this passage perhaps as a passage the the binding of Isaac being a passage to show the Jewish people that child sacrifice was now prohibited Uh, we looked at a whole range of things Um, but at the end I suggested that even with that, there are always going to be passages in the Bible that we struggle with, um, that we find difficult, and that may be 
something that we struggle with for the whole of our lives, that there are going to be parts of the Bible, probably for all of us, that are difficult for us to make sense of, difficult for us to live with, to feel comfortable with. Um, And I guess at the end I was trying to suggest that that's okay, um, that it's okay for us to struggle, it's okay for us to doubt, it's okay, as, as Steve was suggesting before, it's okay for us to live with that tension. Um, so all I guess I want to say today is um, to affirm this community because I think it is, from my observation, a community that is comfortable with doubt, that is comfortable with questions, um, that is comfortable to to be honest about the tension that they feel in, in dealing with certain passages in the Bible. And when, when I was um, giving my presentation, I opened it up for people to, to, to talk about ways in which the story of the, the binding of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac, was, was troubling. And I was, uh, I guess, amazed at how honest people were in coming forward with the things that they really struggled with in this passage. Um, So that's all I really want to say. I just want to affirm this community and say that I think um, a community where everyone has the same answers, a community where everyone has the same understanding of each passage in the Bible is an adolescent community. And it's a community that, to me, worships an idol, not a living God. And I think... A community that really engages with God as God is, is a community that recognises that God is not tame, God cannot be contained, God cannot be boxed, and so there will always be something wild and uncontrollable about God, and all of us will struggle with aspects of that wildness and that uncontrollable vastness that is God in different ways Uh, and that if we can be comfortable in that difference, comfortable in being in different places, being authentic, being honest, um, then we can move forward. But uniformity, conformity, that is death and that is not what we want. Uh, So I just want to thank you for the fact that throughout this series, I mean on the weeks that I've been here, um, I've just, that's what I've witnessed. I've witnessed a community like that. And I want to encourage us to continue to be like that, um, to be people of authenticity, people of honesty, people of integrity, and to not be afraid because fear creates conformity, but love embraces difference and finds unity within difference. Um, So let's, in God's grace, continue along that path. Um, The only other thing I wanted to say is to say thank you. Um, We... We were given a, a beautiful hamper of things for Kate um, a couple of weeks ago by this community um, and pretty much every single thing in that hamper we have used or will use um, and it was just, um, I don't know who chose all the individual items in it but it was very thoughtfully chosen. So thank you to all of you who were part of that and um, thank you for loving us and let's continue to love each other. Not just a nice voice, but very nice legs as well, if I might say so. <laughs> it was just getting a little bit too serious there. and uh... <laughs> um, 
Any comments as we wrap up this uh, series? Does anybody have a, a highlight? I know that a number of you have spoken at different times um, with me, emailed and texted and, 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 and shared how, how valuable various um, messages have been to you as we've, we've looked at this life. Is anybody kind of wanting, feeling brave enough to kind of go, yeah, I'd like just to say this has really helped me or I've observed this or, you know, anybody? Um, I was kind of thankful because we were away overseas for some of it, but um, there was definitely the podcast download when we got enough Wi-Fi to listen to it. Um, so I was following along a bit as well. And I think, like, for me being away and being back in this community, one thing um, I do realise is I'm so blessed. Um, and I know a lot of people go overseas and they're like, oh, you know, happy to be back. But I'm just so happy to be back. And I, I'm sure Beth agrees and Ben, um, to come back to community like this is just, um, yeah, we're so, so blessed for that. And I guess one thing that I've been learning through listening to this is the thing that keeps coming back to me is that... Um, about freedom and that those the sunsets free are free indeed and you know this was before that and listening to Abraham's life before all of that freedom message came and he kind of gives us such an opportunity to be free because I think for us you know we live in a world where people have issues and it's always brought out this issue that issue trying to overcome trying to break through trying to be this trying to you know get over generational curses all this stuff I think is you know it's talked about a lot but there's I just think there's not enough talk talking about of being free and people that God just says you're righteous and that's enough you know and I just think looking at all things Abraham went through sometimes we look at ourselves and think I'm never going to overcome this or I'm never going to be loved enough I'm never going to be um you know I'm never going to be close enough to God and you know straight away this wall comes through this lie that we're never going to make it um, and I just think it doesn't matter and you don't need to even know when you're going to overcome something or when the breakthrough will come or anything. Abraham didn't even know and he just kept on walking and I just think he just provides such a revelation of freedom because he didn't know God. God spoke to him. He listened. He stuffed up. He made it. He tried again. Like, And it's just a sense of it doesn't matter and we're, we're free indeed. So, yeah, I just think... That's just one thing that I just have to remind myself of always. Yeah. Anybody else? Andrea. Um, I don't know. It was a few weeks ago and we were talking about Lot and um, you kind of finish your sermon and then the questions got opened and I think it was Ben that asked the question about um, how come we haven't talked about Lot giving up his daughters and that was just a moment where I felt such a sigh of relief that someone actually asked that question. Um, You know, being a sister and a daughter, I thought if my father ever did that, like I would just be... I mean, I would be horrified. But then you spent the next, I don't know how long it went on for, but we, everyone just sort of stayed and it felt like church went for an extra half an hour or 45 minutes, but no one really seemed to care. And you really explored that and you went through it. And it was just, for me, I, I think what Rob was saying before was that sense of it was okay to question and the question was brilliant. And we all sort of went through that together and explored it and what it meant and how we felt by it. And I just went, this is why I'm in this community. Like, that was just a really amazing time. So, thanks.
Thanks, Ben. It was a great question. <laughs> Putting me on the spot. Can I just say that your communion this morning was just... Um, made me cry. And I, I think what Ben said this morning, I think just captured the spirit of what my heart is or my goal, what I would love to, I think is beginning to develop and be cultivated here. But that sense of um, diversity and the thing that pulls us together and the thing that centres us is the finished work of Jesus, that which Christ has done on our behalf. That was absolutely outstanding today, Ben. Brilliant. One more person. Does anybody else want to share before we, we close? Jenny. She should jump on the uh, church Facebook page because Jenny's put up a really interesting post. Um, yeah, yeah. There's uh, what was his name? Um, Andy? No, Andy's bad fashion. Yeah, bad fashion. If you can, uh, I watched this, watching this video, and it's really great content. But he actually has his t-shirt tucked into his jeans, and a belt, and a belt as well. If you can see past the the jeans, uh, the the t-shirt in the jeans, it really is worthwhile watching. Um. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, the session that we did where we explored um, Abraham's questioning of God and the back and forth banter of um, if there's ten people in the city, will you still, um, yeah, will you still blow it up? And um, stretching the idea of righteousness and bringing it back to um, can one person's righteousness redeem the whole world? And that, that I think that just sat really well with me. I've always just been fascinated at. Um, the idea of Abraham going back to God and having this dialogue and um, Jacob wrestling with an angel and, and all of these sort of tension tension points, I think, where, um, you know, it takes a while for you to wrap your head around these sort of ideas, but then when you when you really, really get it, it's like the penny drops and suddenly you see everything in, in such an amazing different, in such a different way and you think, how long has it taken for God to, to plan this moment for me to, to really grasp that understanding and, and ha- what pleasure he took in, in, in setting that up for all of us? And I think it was an amazing journey. And I think went out with a couple of girls after service and we were just, um, just loving the idea of exploring that and pulling it apart and, and continue, continuing on that journey. So I think, um, yeah, I, just, I feel a real maturity as well in this community since, since we started to ask the hard questions. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jenny. What a great place to finish on is that um, Abraham's conversation with God over um, the uh, impending judgment of of, uh, Sodom. In that whole conversation that takes place, the great theological thought that Abraham was stumbling upon was this, that... Is it possible that the the righteousness of a few was sufficient to cover the unrighteousness of the many? And um, that was the truth that Abraham kind of was in an embryonic fashion taking hold of, that the righteous of the few 
the righteousness of of the few, the righteousness of one, could cover the unrighteousness of the many, which is us and all of humanity. And the righteous one is actually the person of Jesus. Um, And he began to catch a glimpse of that. And perhaps that's a great way for us to finish, reminding ourselves of that revelation, that understanding that began to dawn on Abraham. We actually live in the fullness of that today. And that's the legacy that we enjoy as the people of God. That the unrighteous many have been rescued by the righteous one. Let's, uh, let's all stand. Uh, Michael, can I get you to come and, and read the benediction for us? And the word benediction is a, is a beautiful word. It's um, two, two words, bene, meaning good, and diction, meaning pronouncement. And it's, so it's this good pronouncement, this a word well spoken. And I want us not just to go through the motions, but to actually receive uh, this blessing which uh, Michael is going to speak over us. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.